Good morning, everybody. It's uh, good to be with you. And uh, my wife, uh, Susie, and I are evangelists from Minneapolis, Minnesota. And so we're honored to be here. And so we want to say thank you to your pastors. Come on, how many of you love your pastors? Come on, really show them you love them. Come on. And uh, uh, so we're just honored we got a chance to meet, meet them when we were uh, in D.C. and just had a wonderful time there and just really knew it was the Holy Spirit. And uh, I just made some things happen. <laughs> I canceled some other churches and made it happen to come to North Carolina. So, and so I felt like we were supposed to be here. Amen. And uh, so we, uh, we went and uh, um, uh, just a little bit about ourselves. I've been in ministry for a little over 30 years. I started in 1986 uh, with Jim Baker at PTL, North Carolina. Is that funny, huh? And so I, I came to North Carolina where I started the ministry uh, as a young man, 19, 20 years old, and started working at a, a drug and alcohol rehab there like a team challenge. And that's where I started the ministry, and shortly thereafter became a youth pastor. Right after that, became an associate pastor. And before my 24th birthday, I became a senior pastor and started my first church. And so uh, then by the time I turned 30, I went and started traveling as an evangelist. And so the last 20-some years, uh, we've been traveling. We've ministered in 48 states, about 30 countries or something like that. So, uh, but we're excited to be in Wilson, North Carolina. All right. So in 32 years, I've never shared this anywhere. And this is just a prophetic word for your church. All right. So so go with me to Mark chapter uh, six. So Mark chapter six, <clears throat> the Lord gave me three words for your church. So I'll share them as we go. All right. All right. Mark six says, verse 30, and the apostles gathered to Jesus and told him all things both what they had done and what they had taught. And he said to them, come aside by yourselves to a deserted place and rest for a while. And, they were, um, and there were many coming and going, <clears throat> but they did not have time to eat. So they departed to a deserted place in the boat by themselves. But the multitude saw them departing, and many knew him and ran uh, there on floor from all the cities. They arrived before them and came together to him. And Jesus, when he came out, saw a great multitude and was moved with compassion for them because they were like sheep having no shepherd. And so he began to teach them many things. And uh, uh, then it says, And when the day was now far spent, his disciples said to him, This is a deserted place. And it says, And the hour is already late. Send them away that they may go into the surrounding country and villages to buy themselves bread for they have nothing to eat. But he answered and said to them, you give them something to eat. And they said to him, shall we go and buy 200 denarii worth of bread and buy them something? Now, in one of the Gospels, it tells us this is Philip talking. You know, Philip pulls out his pocket, you know, calculator. <laughs> Wait a minute, carry the two. Hey, Jesus, that's a whole year's wages, okay? Why? Because now we, we call it the feeding of the 5,000, but you have to re realize this is in Bible days, they didn't count the women and children. So now do the math. So they were only counting the men. So how many men were there? 5,000. So let's just conservatively say there was another 10,000 there of ladies and children. Come on, right? So conservatively, there was 15,000. So Jesus says, you feed them. 
they said, Lord, this is a whole year's wages. And so, uh, but he said to them, how many loaves do you have? Go and see. And when they had found out, they said, five loaves and two fish. <laughs> I heard one um, modern theologian try to talk this miracle away, and he said, well, back in Bible days, they had bigger loaves of <laughs> bread. I'm like, 15,000 people? That's a big loaf of bread. That's a little boy's lunch. Wow, we, you know. So then he commanded them to make them all sit down in groups and on green grass. And he, they sat down in ranks. Now, notice they organized this thing, and they sat them in ranks. And it says, and they sat down in ranks in hundreds and in fifties. And they had taken up the five loaves and the two fish. He, t- he looked up to heaven, blessed and broke the loaves, and gave them to the disciples to set before them and the two fish that he divided among them all. And they all ate and were filled. And he took up 12 basketfuls of fragments of the fish. And those who had eaten the loaves were about 5,000 men, right? So here's what the Lord began to speak to me was uh, three different words for your church. Number one is the word expectation. Expectation. All three of these start with E. Expectation. I believe that this city, the city of Wilson, needs expectation and hope. You have 50,000 people in your town. Come on, right? And, and many times, especially in the Bible Belt, you'll also see, though you'll see more people in church, you'll also see more people in darkness as well. So you'll see polar opposites. I used to live in Tulsa, the buckle of the Bible Belt. <laughs> right? And uh, we had the highest rate of divorce anywhere in America. Tulsa, Oklahoma, the highest rate of, in, in, in one of the highest rates per capita of, of several other different things as well, from, from prescription drug abuse to uh, uh, homosexuality, all kinds of different stuff. So the light shines brighter and the darkness is, is, is dark, you know what I mean? So, so, but this is what I felt like the Lord was saying is, is that God wants to do something in this church. God wants to bust a revival here. Come on, somebody that will reach this part of North Carolina and that will reach your community. But it's going to take a people with expectation. Everyone say expectation. You know, there's something about expectation that makes people do crazy stuff, like tell everybody, we're going to feed everyone today. What do you got? A little boy's lunch. (laughs) Right? You're like, what? (laughs) Come on, get them in groups. Can you imagine the disciples? Peter and John are like, wow. Jesus has been in the sun too long. My goodness. We're organizing these people. You know how dumb we're going to look in a few minutes here? And, and so John is getting them in 50s, and, 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 and Peter's getting them in, in hundreds. And, and the two sons of thunder, they're probably fist fighting over who gets to sit next to Jesus. And so and Judas is helping himself to the offering. And it, it's just a wonderful bunch Jesus picked, you know. And uh, so you got the whole bunch of them. And as you have this whole bunch of them, what are they doing? They're creating expectation. Everyone say it one more time. Expectation. When you first get saved, you have tremendous expectation. I remember when I first got saved. Now, I wish I grew up in a spirit-filled church like yours, but I didn't. I grew up in a, a, a church that was more liturgical, and uh, it was a, a Lutheran church. And uh, so... Yeah, 
Yeah, so I, I grew up in this Lutheran church, and so I hated church, and, and just it was totally irrelevant, no impact in my life, nothing. God sent a guy to my town to start a Bible study for teenagers. And so when God sent this guy from a, a church 100 miles away in Fargo, North Dakota, he sent him to my, my little town uh, in western Minnesota. He went and starts his Bible study, and all these kids got saved. And I began to persecute these kids. I began to, I mean, I was wicked. I, was, I would persecute. We would mock them, ridicule them. We would take their worship music and record demonic music over it. I mean, I was wicked. We would tear their Bibles up, and I, I wasn't a good boy, you understand? And so here I am, 16 years old, and at 16 years old, I, I was hurting on the inside. But I had no expectation for it to ever get better. Come on. But all these young people had just gotten saved. They were about six weeks old in the Lord. And the youth pastor began to teach on prayer and pray for the worst kid in your high school, and in seven days you'll be saved. They unanimously picked me, I guess. So, and uh, so anyways, long story short, so uh, about four days later, I was in another town getting in trouble as usual. And uh, as I'm in this other town, I see this guy from my school so I walk across the street just to say, hey, how you doing? And he stuck his hand out to shake my hand. And when he stuck his hand out, I grabbed his hand and he said, Tom, you're going to hell. Pray this prayer. I mean, that was it. That's all I got. I didn't get God loves me or nothing nice like that. I just, Tom, you're going to hell. Pray this prayer. And so he prayed with me and I was radically saved right there in the middle of the street. And I began to serve the Lord with all my heart and, and, uh, and began to, you know, uh, just, you know, follow after God, use my allowance money to buy books and Bibles and all of this stuff. And, and, uh, but I had wanted this thing they called the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Come on, right? I wanted the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I had read about it. I had heard them speaking in tongues. And I'm like, man, I want this tongues thing you guys got. And they're like, well, we got it, but we don't know how we got it. I'm like, what? They're like, well, this guy came from Fargo, and he brought the Holy Spirit with him. So I assumed the Holy Spirit lived in Fargo. I thought, oh, that must be where he lives. I live here in Minnesota. The Holy Spirit lives in Fargo, I guess. And so, so I just thought that's where he lived. And so they said, you got to go to Fargo to get it 100 miles away. So I had to convince my parents to let me go to this spirit-filled church to get the baptism of the Holy Spirit. So I remember about four months later, uh, my friends were going to this church on a Sunday night. And so I said, I'm going with you. And so long story short, I, I, I went with them. And the whole way there, I'm like, God, my folks don't want me going. This is a one-time shot. I don't get another shot at this. Lord, you know, you got to do it tonight. This is the night, you know. And so... Uh, but there was expectation. Everyone say expectation. So there was such an expectation in my heart. And so when I got to the church, um, we, we, we were late because we got lost. And so there was no more room. The church was packed. There was like 2,000 people in this church. And so we had to sit on the floor in the back of the church. And so a whole service, I'm like, God, you got to give it to me. This is the night. I mean, that's all I'm thinking. I'm just thinking when the preacher says holy, I'm just running down there. If he says, holy smokes, it's hot in here, I'm running down there, you know. So I went, and uh, uh, finally at the end of the service, the pastor went and said, all right, uh, some people want the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Go to this upper room. 
So I went to this room where they were going to pray for people for the baptism. And so when I went to the room, I just had my hands up. I'm just waiting. <laughs> I was so expected that this is my minute. This is my hour. I'm going to be filled. And so the pastor walked in, and he was laughing. I don't know. There was a lot of us there. And uh, so he went and said, all right, your friends, just stand to the side. And, and he starts reading Acts 2. And as he's reading Acts 2, I went, and all of a sudden, this began to bubble out of the inside of me, and I started speaking in tongues. And then my friends came over to lay hands on me afterwards, and I'm like, hey, I don't need you now. I, where have you been the last four months? Uh, right? <laughs> but what, how did I get it? Expectation. And I believe that that's a word from the Lord for your church for this year. That's a word from the Lord is to raise your expectation. When you first got saved, you were so expectant. Can I say something controversial right before the offering for our ministry? <laughs> All right. You know, I remember when I first got saved, I went and I would run down to the front to sit in the front. I wanted to be as close to the front as, as I physically could possibly be. Oh, come on, talk to me here, North Carolina. Is that right? But what, what happens is, is a lot of times, I'm not saying in all kinds, so don't be offended and stuff, but, but sometimes what happens is you find yourself kind of <laughs> moving farther and farther back. You know, uh, when I used to be a pastor, I used to tell our church, we're going to install chairs that as people sit in the back, it just shoots them right to the front. I'm just going to hit a button as soon as we start the word and just, and it's just going to be like a roller coaster ride. You know what I mean? And then those who are in the back are going to be in the front, and those who are in the front are going to be in the back. You know what I mean? So just to freak people out. One more time. Everyone say expectation. Okay. So now if you keep on reading here, Jesus begins to walk to them on the water. But go over to verse uh, uh, 54. It says, and when they came out of the boat, immediately the people recognized him. And they ran throughout the whole region and began to carry about on beds those that were sick, uh, those who heard where he was. Now, now go back to your left. We're going to come back here in a minute. But go back to your left. Go back to Matthew. In Matthew chapter 4. In Matthew 4.23, it says, And Jesus went about all Galilee teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing all kinds of sickness and all kinds of disease among the people. Then his fame went throughout all Syria, and they brought unto him all the sick people and those that were afflicted with various diseases and torments, and those that were demon-possessed, epileptics, paralytics, and he healed them. Great multitudes followed him from all over Wilson, North Carolina. <laughs> right? But verse... 24 says, they brought unto him. Everyone say, they brought. It does not say God brought. It does not say God did it. And they just sat back with a Coke and a smile. God's going to do it. God's going to do it, Pastor List. You watch. God's going to do it. God's just going to bring the people. We're going to do nothing but sit back with a bag of chips and on a recliner. And all of a sudden, the church is just going to be full. It's just, no. The Bible says they brought them. Now, now go over to chapter 8. Look here in Matthew 8. So in Matthew 8, 
I can give you 11 scriptures that say the same thing. Matthew 8 says this in verse whoops, 16. And when the evening had come, they brought unto him, not the Holy Ghost brought unto him, them, he, they brought unto him many that were demon-possessed, and, and he cast out the spirits with a word, and he healed all that were sick. Look over in chapter 11. Um, sorry, it's chapter 12. Chapter 12 says, uh, 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 I grabbed a different Bible this morning. All right. So in, in verse um, uh, 22, then was brought unto him one that was demon-possessed, blind and mute, and he healed him so that the blind man both uh, spoke and saw. But he was brought unto them, right? <clears throat> Amen. So go over to chapter 14 of Matthew. Chapter 14, Matthew 14 says this, verse uh, 35. And when the men of that place recognized him, they sent all into the surrounding region, and they brought to him all that were sick. Go over to Mark chapter 1. Mark chapter 1. I know I'm giving you a lot of scriptures, but I want you to see this expectation of the disciples. Many people say, well, we want, we want what the early church had. This is what the early church did. So Mark chapter 1 says in verse 32, At evening when the sun did set, they brought unto him all that were sick and were demon-possessed, and the whole city was what? Gathered at the door, right? And he healed many that were sick of various diseases, etc., etc. Again and again and again. Now, you don't have to turn there, but even after Jesus dies, the church continues and in Acts chapter 5, the Bible says, and they came and they brought the sick out in the streets, hoping that at least the shadow of Peter would fall on them and they would be healed. Come on, right? How many of you would like to see someone rise up out of a wheelchair? Anyone? How many of you like to see someone raised from the dead? How many of you like to see someone blind healed or deaf healed? Anyone? But guess what? Guess how many I know in Wilson, North Carolina? <laughs> None. Okay. So, You've got to bring them. Every one of those people in the video I just showed you, every one of them without exception, were brought to the meeting. They were not part of that church. The first girl that was in a car wreck, she was brought to the meeting. The second woman that was dying of cancer, she was brought to the meeting. She came 1,000 miles. The doctors gave her six days to live. She, the doctor said, you'll never survive the drive. He said, you'll be dead before church. She goes, what's the difference if I die in six days or die tomorrow? What's the difference? She said, I'm going to give God an opportunity. I mean, every single one, the last lady that was healed with the, the broken neck, she came four and a half hours driven with a broken neck. Come on, somebody. Now, the one thing that's mysteriously hidden from here, did you notice they didn't bring prayer requests? You should have taken the offering first. Did you notice that not one time in all of those instances did they ever bring prayer requests? But they always brought the sick. Come on, right? Because the sick needed to be in the presence of Jesus. Right? That's where the sick needed to be. Not on a piece of paper, but the sick needed to come. I mean, man, if a woman that's got six days to live. We, we were ministering once in Central Florida and uh, someone brought a woman from 
the, the hospital, <clears throat> and uh, uh, she was given less than 48 hours to live with terminal cancer. All of, the skin color, all of her skin color was like an ashen gray. She looked dead. And we, we had a big conference, and it was on God TV and stuff. And, and so, uh, long story short, it was ourselves and another evangelist. And so, uh, that night, I wasn't preaching. So, that night, the other evangelist was. And so, this woman comes, and my ushers that were doing my conference for me went and helped this woman come and, and be seated. So, she heard about the, the conference. And so, they seated her in the midst of a section and literally 100 people got up and moved because she smelt like rotten meat. She smelt so bad, 100 people literally got up and moved. I'm not even kidding you. That's how bad it was. It smelt like rotten meat laying in the sun too long. That's how bad she was, okay? And so they bring her to the meeting. Long story short, as they bring her to the meeting, I went to, to uh, 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 my, my friend went and, and prayed for her and through a series of things. Uh, she fell down. She wasn't healed. And, and uh, so I see this woman crying. And as she's crying, I just went over to her and I said, lady, stop crying. I said, look at me. Her son is yelling. Her son's not a Christian. Her son is yelling at me, yelling at my ushers, cussing and stuff. And this is all on Live God TV. And so uh, I went and uh, I just told the young man, I said to him, I said, go sit down. He said, well, this is my mother. I said, I don't care. This is my conference. Go sit down. <laughs> I mean, remember when Jesus put the, his own, that, the family of the little girl that was dead out of their own house. I mean, remember that. Remember when Peter did the same thing in the book of Acts, right? So I just said, you go sit down. So he went and sat down and the woman is screaming and crying. And just the smell was unbelievable. And I just sit, grabbed the woman's hand. I said, lady, I came to bring you healing. I said, stand up. The Lord heals you now. And she had come with such expectation. And I just picked her up off the ground. God's honest truth in front of 2,500 people. She stood up. She rose. And she took off running around the church, totally healed. Come on, somebody. And she's still alive today. And that was 10 years ago. Come on, somebody. <laughs> Hallelujah. Everyone shout expectation. Mm. So expectation. There's something about it. That's what causes people to bring the sick. Expectation, right? Number two, the second thing, if you want to write this down. I just wrote the word extrovert. What I mean by that is this. Is God's going to raise your church up to be a bold body. A people of boldness. Come on, Amen. No more worried about what other people think. You know, so, so many people, they're so worried about everyone else. What is, what is so-and-so thinking? They're probably, probably nothing's going on in their head. The lights are on and no one's home. <laughs> Come on, amen? So, so I say this, don't let someone live rent-free in your head. If they're going to be in your head, at least collect rent. <laughs> amen? And so, uh, listen, I do this. I pray for the sick in airports. I pray for the sick in, in, in uh, you know, in, in uh, grocery stores and gas stations. I mean, we went to a garage sale. Oh, God, set me free of garage sales. My wife drugged me to a garage. I'd rather have a root canal than a garage sale. Okay. I'm volunteering for root canals over garage sales. So I, we go to this garage sale, and the lady there has got a brace on her arm. And I pray for the lady in the garage sale, and she gets radically healed. 
Come on, amen? But Smith Wigglesworth used to say this. He used to say, the bolder I am to step out, the more God shows up. The more I recoil, the less God moves forward. He said, God does what I do. Right? That's why the Bible says, draw near to God and... Ah, right? So in other words, he is responding to you. You're not responding to him. He is responding to you. Heaven is responding to earth. <laughs> Come on, right? Heaven is responding to earth. It's earth smooth. That's why Jesus said, whatever you bind on, earth is bound in. Who's, whose move is it first? Earth's, right? So he says, whatever you bind on earth, then will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be. Ah, so it's earth's move. It's our move. That's what the Bible says. Whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved, right? So whose move is it first, heavens or earth's? It's earth's move. So it's the church's move. We, many people have been saying, we're just waiting on the Lord. We're, listen, yeah, stop waiting. He's waiting on you. <laughs> it's like playing chess. I'm not very good at it, but I can play it. You know, if you move once... The other guy can't say, well, I'm waiting on you to move. You say, no, 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 I already moved. Right? Jesus already died, rose again, sat down on the right hand of God, and now he's waiting for earth's move. And whatever you do, he will respond in, in, in return the same way. Right? So that's why I say number two, boldness. Come on, uh, pinch your neighbor a little bit. Just say, God wants you to be bold. Come on, pinch him a little bit. Amen. Be bold. We were, we were ministering in revival meetings up in uh, northern Minnesota, in, in Grand Rapids, Minnesota, uh, the birthplace of uh, Judy Garland. <laughs> and uh, so we were ministering up there, and we were taking people out in the streets and, and praying for the sick and winning souls and stuff. And a lady in the church, she had been like the quietest woman in the church she found herself just so radical. She says, I'm never going back. I'm not going back to that woman. <laughs> and so the pastor said to me, she said, it was a lady pastor too. And so the lady pastor said to me, she said, listen, a bunch of us want to go and, and have a meal with you before you guys go home. And so I said, okay, well, let's go. And so there was a Denny's. That was about all that was there. So we go out to this Denny's and we're sitting in Denny's. And the gal that just gave me that testimony about she's not going back to being introverted and fearful. Come on, right? God has not given us a spirit of, but of what? Mind, right? So she said, that's who I'm going to be. So we're sitting down, we're ordering, and as we're ordering, the woman sitting next to me, she jumps up, and I kid you not, Mike, she went table to table. She won the entire restaurant to Christ in 30 minutes. Come on, somebody, give the Lord a hand clap. Amen. I mean, the whole restaurant. She prayed with the entire restaurant to be born again at, at the end. So be bold, right? Number three. Number three is emergency. I, I, this is the word the Lord gave me for your church, emergency. An urgency. There's got to be a, a, an urgency, a sense of, of urgency, or in other words, non-apathy. <laughs> Come on, right? And uh, so there's got to be an urgency. You know, when if somebody is dying, <laughs> that's not the time to be apathetic. That's the time for urgency, right? That's the time for, hey, it's got to move us. It's got to motivate us. It's got to, you know, say that we got to do something. We got to do something, right? 
And, and so I, I believe that that's what the Lord wants to light a fire is that emergency. Put that emergency on the inside of us. And uh, I, I went, and, and any time I ever feel that fear of man ever come on me in my own life, my wife will tell you, I'll rebel against it. I don't care where it is. <laughs> my wife will tell you that. One time we were at Applebee's, okay? You know how they give you those little disc things? I don't know what they are. They buzz, right? So we're outside. There's about 30 of us outside. We're all waiting. It's a beautiful night. I think it was in Orlando. And uh, so we're outside, and I'm waiting for the buzzer to buzz and tell us our table is ready. And so all of a sudden, I look around. All these people are standing there. And I'm like, I'm going to win these people to Jesus. And then a thought popped into my head. I know no one in North Carolina ever gets this. This is probably not a good time. (laughs) What will they think? So I just rebelled against that spirit of fear. And when I rebelled against that spirit of fear, I said, excuse me, I need everyone's attention. Everyone come together, quick, quick, quick. So a lady comes up, excuse me, sir. She says, is this an emergency? I said, yes, you stand right next to me. God's honest truth. I did that with 30 people. And I went and I began to share the gospel. I said, listen, God put you here. This is supernatural. Jesus died for you. (laughs) And I began to, in 30 seconds, present the gospel. And I gave them all an opportunity to receive Christ. All 30 of them followed me into salvation. Come on, somebody. Give the Lord a hand clap. Amen. But if we just said, well, the Lord's working on them, the Lord's working on them, the Lord's working on them. Hey, listen, man, I'm telling you what, we're in an hour of urgency. Islam is moving in, taking over where the church is backed off. How do I know that? We have a friend of ours who's a minister in Turkey, where the seven churches in Revelation, that's where they were. But guess what? Less than 1% of Turkey is saved now. 99% Muslim. Why? Because the church was just waiting for Jesus. Lord, just get me out. They've got their rapture parachute on. They're ready to, I'm ready to parachute out of here. I, the world can burn and go to hell. I'm getting out of here. I can't wait for the end. Of, come on, somebody. But I'll tell you what. God wants us to have eternal eyes with an urgency and an emergency mindset. Come on. God gave me that word for your church. I'm telling you. An expectation. Come on, Right? And, and this emergency mindset, that a changing, a renewing of the mind, where all of a sudden, hey, we've got to reach out to that person. You have no idea. Come on, right? You have no idea. You have no idea. I remember one time someone went and brought a lady to church. They, they just went and said, I'm coming to get you. She says, I don't want to go. She, they said, you're coming. I'm taking you to lunch after. <laughs> and so they brought her to our meetings. They said, you're coming, and I'm taking you to lunch. And so they went and they just parked outside the house till she came out. So she's like, I guess I'm going to church. She filled out that morning her suicide note. She filled out a suicide note that morning. But when that car came, the woman said, all right, I'll go on out. So she went and jumped in the car, came to the service. The power of God hit this woman. She was set free. The joy of the Lord came into her life. God totally filled her with His Spirit. Come on, somebody. Amen. But if somebody didn't have an urgency, (laughs) I said if somebody didn't have an urgency, if someone didn't have an urgency, you wouldn't be sitting in that seat right now. Who knows? You may be dead. You may be lost in hell or something. Come on, somebody. So it's time for the church to wake up. Come on, shake your neighbor a little bit. Just say, come on, wake up. (laughs) 
right? It's time for the church to wake up. It's time for us to wake up. Why? Because neighbors, because coworkers, because colleagues, because schoolmates, who knows what they're in the midst? Who knows what they're going through? Who knows? Who knows? Who knows? Who knows? Who knows who that person is, right? I, I, you know, Pastor Dave was, was born in a city called Durban, you know, South, South Africa. And I ministered there many, many times in Durban. And Gandhi was born there, you said. So had he had an experience with God, had somebody had, come on, had somebody had reached out, one of the most well-known Hindus probably would have become a strong believer and maybe another Billy Graham. But because it's so easy to come to church and let's get out and let's go and let's have a meal and let's go watch the game and just live life, and it's easy to slip into that. Come on, somebody, right? It's easy to slip into that. Will you put that music back on quietly for me, right? It's easy to slip into apathy, right? It's kind of like this. It's kind of like, it's kind of like working out. Here we are at the beginning of the year, right? You make those New Year's resolutions. I'm going to lose weight, <laughs> right? I'm going to go to the gym. I'm going to live in the gym. I'm going <laughs> to whatever, you know. But it's easy after the the pillow starts talking to you a little bit, right? It's easy to slip back into what? Apathy, right? Amen? Just pull it forward a little bit. Yeah. So, but it's easy to, to fall back into apathy. But I want to do this. I want you just, everybody all over the house, just lift your hands. Father, right now, I just pray for every single person that's here this morning. Lord, I pray right now in the name of Jesus that this week is not just a week of good meetings and come to church and get hands laid on us. And, but, Lord, that this is a life-changing week of 2019. That 2019, our lives changed. That everything changed. That week of January 2019, everything changed in our hearts. Everything changed in our marriage. Everything changed in our physical body. Everything changed in our mindset, Lord. Let it not just be like a New Year's resolution that that would be nice to have. But, Lord, let it be a reality because of expectation. Lord, I pray for that right now for every single person. Lord, I just prophesy that word over them right now. I just prophesy over you right now an expectation into 2019. I just prophesy that word of that extrovert, that boldness on the inside of you in 2019. I just prophesy into you now just in, uh, that, that emergency mindset, that urgency, that urgency just is seated down into your spirit and that the fear of man is quieter than the fear of the Lord. And Lord, I pray for that right now over every person today in the name of Jesus. And all God's people said, amen.